0: there are some stories in the Torah, every year we meet them again and we come to the same parasha. And sometimes every year the same questions arise in our minds. We're trying to understand the story. Maybe sometimes we're fortunate to find an answer, find one of the a to discuss it. But sometimes we don't find any good approach. And the question gets put on the back burner, only to be remember it again the next year when we read the same story again. When it comes to Parshas told us, so leaving unanswered questions doesn't feel so bad because we found an, an anomaly in this week's Parsha where Rashi does the same thing. At the end of the Parsha where it says that Yitzchok sends Yaakov to find a wife in the house of Lavan, the sister, the brother of Rivka, so it calls Rivka the mother of Esav and Yaakov. And on that Rashi says, I don't know what that's coming to teach us that Rivka is called the mother of Esav and Yaakov. It's something we know very well. And I'm sure Rashi too, every year when he went to Parsha and maybe reviewed his own Pirush, came back to the same point. The same question. And with that in mind, I'd like to share with you two or three questions on Parsha's told us. Not new questions, but I would say annual questions. Questions which one thinks of every time we come to the parsha. Firstly at the beginning of the parasha we find Rivka is pregnant and and she didn't understand what was happening to her. And the Pasuk says, She went to ask Hashem, it doesn't seem to be a normal a feeling that she was having a normal pregnancy. So she goes to ask, Hakodesh Baruch Hu, what's going on? And Hashem's response to her, You should know it's because you don't have one child, rather you have twins. And these two twins are going to become the ancestors of two great nations. But, like Rashi says, Who was the Navi who gave her that message from Hashem? And she tells us it was shame. Shame the son of Noah, we see here was a Navi. He was the emissary of Hashem to tell her, explain to her why her pregnancy was different to most people's. And the obvious question is, why did she have to go so far? Her husband Yitzchak was a Navi. Her father-in-law Avram was a Navi. Why did it need shame to give her the message? What's more interesting, and again this isn't a new question, we don't find that Yitzchak found out about this Nebuchadnezzar. Rifka knew this verb, but we don't find anywhere she shared it with Yitzchak. And therefore even though Rivka was privy to the information that Avod, sorry, this younger son is going to be the greater one, but she didn't share the information with Yitzchak. And it wasn't just in this particular example, in this particular case, we find consistently that Rivka doesn't share what she knows with Yitzchak. When it came to giving the brachas, we find the same thing again. When it came to giving the brachas, so Yurifka is aware that Yitzchak wants to give the brachas to Esav. Rivka knows that Esav doesn't deserve the brachas. He's not the tariq that, that Yitzchak thinks she is. And if that's the case, we would expect But Rivka would go to Yitzchak and say, Yes, let's discuss it. Let me explain to you my reservations why I don't think you should give Esau the brachas. And Rivka doesn't do that. She listens. She's aware of what's going on. And then she acts behind Yitzchak's back, as it were. She schemes the whole elaborate plan how Yaakov's going to get the bracha without Yitzchak knowing. Why Yitzchak was still thinking he's giving the brachas to Esau. And here again, the same question arises. And that is, why didn't you just tell him? Why was it necessary to do things without Yitzchak Noi? And the third time the same question comes up in the parasha, and maybe this time the question is the most glaring, is at the end of the parasha. It says, Rifka finds out after Yaakov's taken the brothers that Esau is planning to kill him. Yes, is planning to kill Yaakov. And therefore Rifka calls in Yaakov and she says, Esau wants to kill you. Run for your life. Go to Haran to my brother Lovon and out of of sight and far away from him perhaps you'll be saved. And Esau of Yaakov agrees. It's for kach So now Rivka comes to tell Yitzchok that she wants Yaakov to go to Haran, And she doesn't tell him the real reason. Rivka comes to Yitzchok and she says to him, I can't imagine having a daughter in law from the people as daughters of Ches. And if that's the case, let him go to Haran to find a wife from there. Why didn't she tell Yitzchak the truth? And it's not like Yitzchak didn't listen to her. You see, the very next Pasuk, after Rivka told Yitzchak why she doesn't want Yaakov to marry a girl from Bnei's house, so Yitzchak calls in Yaakov and he says, go to Paran, to the house of Lawan and find yourself a wife. He, he accepted the advice that Rivka gave him. He instructed Yaakov to do exactly what Rivka suggested. So why was it necessary, time and again, for Rifka to hide from Yitzchok what her true intentions were? What information she knew that he didn't? These are questions as I began, which aren't new questions. Questions which we're reminded of every time we read the story again. I want to share with you, Rabbi Say, a possible approach, something which maybe shows us the godliness of Rivka Yimena. We know from last week's parasha that Rivka's primary middle was Amiras A Amiras was what enabled her, entitled her, to become a part of the family of Abraham Avinu. That was the test which she passed of offering water to Eliezer's camels. And we know that that was in opposition to the mitzvah, the midah of Yitzchak. The midah of Yitzchak was primarily gvurah, din. What's right is right, what's deserved is deserved. And therefore Rivka was the perfect complement to Yitzchak. Her primary mirror was Chesed. Now let's understand something Rabbi say. Rivka receives a nivur that she's going to have two children. She receives a word that the younger son is going to be greater, Rav But you must remember something. Rivka is a mother. And these are her children. And if that's the case, if I would ask the question, did Rifka love Asaph? No. Of course she did. Did she nurse him when he was a baby? Did she bring him up? Did she look after him? Of course she did. She was a mother. Did she want the best for him? Did she doubt that he should also turn out to be a Tariq? Of course she did. As much as Rifka understood that Yaakov was going to be the greater brother, she also wanted the best for Esau. At the end of the day, he was also her son. And if that's the case, Rifku knew with her she could embrace Esau and try her best to make him the greatest he could be, to direct him in the path he was meant to go. But at the same time, Rivku knew that the greatest asset that Esau had, the, the factor most likely to make him successful, to make him tzaddik, was his cashier with Yitzchak. His connection to Yitzchak. Esau was exemplary, as we know, in Kibbutz over And Yitzchak, like the Apostle tells us, like Yitzchak loved Esau. Rivka thought this is the best possible thing for Esav. Perhaps this is what's going to turn him around. Perhaps this is going to be the influence on his life which will make him a tzaddik. And therefore, out of a concern for Esav too, Rivka didn't want to do anything to jeopardize Esav's chances of being a tzaddik. Rivka didn't want to do anything which could ruin the relationship between Yitzchak and Esav. Because she felt correctly that that was the only chance that Esav had to become to become a Tariq. and therefore Rivka was told the nevuah that her younger son is going to be greater than her older son, the rav And of course, even though, as is natural, she would want to share such sensational information with her husband, Rivka keeps quiet. She knew Yitzchak's mother would be that if he would know that, then in some way he would be prejudiced against Esau. It would change his relationship with him. And therefore Rivka keeps this tremendous information to herself. And same thing later on in life. Rivka knows that Esau a rasha. She knows that that is being taken in, so to speak, by a facade which isn't true. But Rivka doesn't intervene. Let Yitzchak think Esav is a That's the best possible thing that can happen for Esav. He has his cash with his father. And therefore, same thing when it came to the Brachos. Rivka didn't want to be the one to tell Yitzchak Esav is a Rasha. She didn't want to ruin Esav's reputation and Yitzchak's eyes. She didn't want Esav to get the Brachos. She knew Yaakov deserved them more. But she wanted to do it in a way which wouldn't ruin Yitzchak's impression of Esav. Because we see that when the truth is revealed to Yitzchak, and Yitzchak finds out that Esav isn't such a tariq. And Rashi tells us that when Esav came in after Yaakov got the brachas, Yitzchak felt the heat of the fire of Gehinnom. So then, And then, this wasn't the son he thought. This wasn't the tzaddik he thought Esav was. And at that stage, Yitzchak is much more unwilling to give Esav a bracha. And therefore, yeah, Rifka understood that. And out of her compassion for Asaph, her oldest son, she played a very difficult game. On the one hand, she was always there to protect Yaakov, she knew he was going to be greater. But at the same time, she didn't want to do anything to distance Asif. She didn't want to do anything to ruin Esau's chance of becoming a Tadik. And therefore, even in the end of the parasha, when Rivka knows that Esau wants to kill Yaakov, she's not going to tell that to Yitzchak. Yitzchak should also think that Esau is a Retech. She'd rather find some other reason to convince Yitzchak to tell Yaakov to go to Choron. That was the the, the mission that Rivka always had. On the one hand, to protect Yaakov. But on the other hand, not to destroy Aesop's possibility of being a Tariq. Not to ruin Aesop's connection to Yitzhak. And therefore she says, the reason that Yaakov should go is because he needs to find a wife. And we see Aesop reciprocated. We see Rivka did have a good Kesha with Aesop also. She, when Rivka tells Yaakov to take Esau's clothing to wear when he, went, when he goes into in front of Yitzchak, so the pasuk says that Rivka took bnei Esau Bnei gadlu achomudos. Esau's clothing she ita bavais. They were by her in her house. And already Chazal, the question is brought in Rashi: Esau was already married at this stage with two wives. Why were his clothing in his from other's house? And Chazal tell us because Esau still felt closer to Rivka his mother than he did to both of his wives. And therefore if he had something valuable for trust keeping, he left it at home. He left it by Rivka. So Rivka managed to maintain that closeness with Esau. Even though she knew the truth of what Esau really was up to. She knew the truth of what Esau was holding by. Because she was a mother. And as a mother, she never abandoned Esav. And we find that same plaintive oil, so to speak, when Rifka tells Yaakov at the end of the parasha, Lomo gam Why shall I lose both of my children on the same day? It wasn't just, why shall I lose you? But she said, still, so if it's going to become a fight between Esav and Yaakov, They would both get killed. And as a mother, she felt for both of them. Why should I lose both of you the same day? This we can say was Rivka's life work. But this is the lesson we can learn from Rivka Imenu. A lesson that, on the one hand, the son who's able to become great, Yaakov Abino, The son that was foretold that he would become the greater one. She pushes him, directs him, guides him as much as she can. Protects him. Always has his interests at heart. But at the same time, she never abandons her other child. She never writes of Aesop as being a rasha. She goes out of her way. To do her best to protect Aesop. and to maintain his Kesha with Yitzchok, hoping that that would be the factor which would make him into a Tariq Where did Rifka learn the Sanhaga That this was her job in life? That this was the way she had to act? I think with this we can answer the first question we started with Rifka goes to ask Hashem when she's pregnant Why am I having these unusual feelings? What's different about my pregnancy? And Hashem's answer to her is because you have twins, and they're going to be the ancestors of two nations. But the agent Hakadosh Baruch who uses to give her that message is Shem ben Noach. And I'm sure Rivka had the question too. My husband is a navi. Abraham Avino is a navi. Why does Shem have to come from Yerushalayim, wherever he was, to give me this message? Hashem couldn't have found a more, an easier messenger. A is here in, in the spot. And Rivka understood, it must be because Hashem didn't give this nevot to Yitzchak. It must be because Hashem doesn't want Yitzchak to know this. And therefore she played the same game. And she made sure that Yitzchak would never find out. And we see confirmation of this later in the parasha too. At the end of the parasha, where the parasha says, Vayugad le Rivka. It was told to Rivka that Asa wanted to kill Yaakov. Who told Rivka? How did she know? So Rashi says, again quoting Chazal, There wasn't the person that told her. She was told in Rue HaKodesh. And I'll ask you again, Rabbi, Yisra Kavina didn't have Rue HaKodesh. Yisra also had Rue HaKodesh. Why didn't he know that information? Why wasn't he told that Esau wants to kill Yaakov? And here we see the same you said again. Rifka understood Hashem obviously doesn't want Yitzchak to know what Asaph is really like. Because that's what, there's still the potential that Yitzchak will treat Asaph in a way which might bring Asaph back. Perhaps with that we can answer the questions, like I said, which arise every year. Why Hashem Benach was the one to give her the message? Why Rifka didn't share what she knew? with Yitzchak. Why Riffah didn't intervene to try and tell Yitzchak to give the brachos to Yaakov. And lastly, why at the end of the parasha, when Riffah comes to convince Yitzchak that Yaakov go to Eretz she doesn't give the reason of Esau wanting to kill him. She gives a different reason. And if we can use this to answer our questions, then perhaps we can attempt to answer Rashi's question too. When it talks about Yitzchak sending Yaakov to love and the brother of Rivka, that's the last time that Rivka is mentioned in the Torah. And now that, like Abraham Avinu, we find at the end he's brought, we given shown the greatness of Abraham Avinu by the Akedah, the final test that he had. So same thing over here, our final mention of Rivka. The Torah wants to give us the compliment of Rivka's accomplishment in it. And of course, Rivka aimed Yaakov and Esav. She was the mother of Yaakov and she was the mother of Esav. She managed to do both. That was her achievement. The mother is able to look after each of her children separately. The mother is able to guide each one in the way which is best for them without jeopardizing the other one. And therefore, of course, we know that Rivka was the mother of Yaakov and Esav. But the Torah gives her that compliment here. That appreciation of the role that she played because that was the godless of Rivka Imenov. That she knew from before they were born that Yaakov would be greater. She knew that before they were born that there would be competence with each other. And she managed to be a mother to both of them. That was the marriage of Rivka. She was the aim Yaakov and the aim Esau. And perhaps we could finish. If each of the obviously and the most instilled a certain trait into Kla Yisrael, something that became part of the fiber, the essence of Kla Yisrael, perhaps this was a contribution of Rif Yimena, that feeling that a mother has for her children, that wherever they are, she's always interested in doing the best and bringing out the best in each one.